So, John, imagine this. You wake up one day, and you're in some room that you've never been to before, and you're injured in a way that means that you can't walk and get up. You're immobile, essentially. Okay. And it turns out that you are held captive by somebody, but, you know, it takes you a while to work that out. They want you to do your best work, whatever that means. <laughs> whatever that means to you. Okay. That's what it means. Okay. Who would you rather that person is? Oh, I don't know. Someone feeble? They're easily knocked over, you know? Someone very old. The That's queen? The queen? Yeah, that'd be interesting, actually. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, she is very good at staying alive, though. Mm. Like, that is arguably her greatest talent. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. I'm pretty sure she has help. Yeah, well, yes, of course, yeah. Uh, yeah, she'd probably have a lot of butlers and stuff that would kind of help to keep me captive, so maybe not. Mm. I was thinking, like, not to tempt fate, but, like, what if we got kidnapped by our listeners and forced to, like... Maybe they really didn't like one of our sequels, or there's a film that we hadn't done. Maybe we See, get kidnapped and they force us to do a sequel to The Goonies because you keep refusing to do it. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. <clears throat> yeah, I'd rather be kneecapped than that. Welcome, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels, and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry, and joining me as always is John. Hello. And we have part three, I believe, of our Stephen King season. Indeed. So what have we done so far? We started with... I've drawn a blank. We started with... Stand by me. Stand by me, stand by me, that was it, yes. (laughs) Sorry, it was a very, very long time ago, two whole weeks. Yeah. It feels like ages ago. (laughs) Um, And then we did uh, The Shawshank Redemption with Mm -hmm. uh, your brother, Sam. Mm -hmm. And so this week, we are moving on to another... Classic mm-hmm. uh, Misery from mm. 1990. Yes, mm-hmm. which was a lot less miserable than I expected. I told you that the yeah. name was misleading. It's not a miserable. <laughs> no, 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 I, I believed you, but just like I needed to be shown. Sure, of course, I understand that. Yes, yeah, you needed to, to be shown the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. um, this this one. This one helped build some back your your reputation. Oh, good. I'm glad. Okay, <laughs> I didn't realize my reputation had taken such a beating lately. But... Well, I'm still recovering from Glenn Close. Okay, well, let it go, God. Yeah, I feel like this is what a fatal attraction should have been. Mm. It does have certain similarities. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, bitches be crazy. Bitches be crazy. Yeah. Mm. Um, the ending in many ways. We'll get to that. But mm-hmm. uh, let's not jump the gun. But wait, uh, you enjoyed this more then? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, it was really good. I'm glad. It had its elements of being very predictable, mm-hmm. but pretty much only at the start and end. Yes. Yeah. And, I feel and, like and, it... then, and then everything in the middle was like, this is what the film is. We're just going to do this for a bit and that's going to be fun for you. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, if I feel like it slightly writes itself into a corner where it doesn't know how to get out of it at the end, and so the end is a bit silly, but mm. most of it is just. Well, the end, so is, just, the end is just a lot of things that you've seen before. Yeah, exactly. In exactly. It's a bit, many horror films. Yeah. It's a bit of an. I find the ending a little bit underwhelming, but mm. I love. Yeah, the middle part is the main the part journey. of this film. The journey is yeah. just fantastic. Yeah. Like this is one of my favourite things about doing this podcast, actually. It is because you famously have not seen anything. Um, <laughs> I just love having the opportunity to like introduce you to like classic films you've never seen. And this is what I've been looking forward to getting you to watch for a while. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time you saw it? Oh, probably aside from this week, obviously. Um I don't know, from start to finish, probably a few years ago. It's one of those films where if it's on TV, I'll watch it. Yeah. Like most of the Stephen King films I've seen, I definitely saw it first on like Channel 4 at like late night when I was like 
12 or something. Mm-hmm. These are the kind of films that always used to play at like midnight or something. And like, mm-hmm. I remember I'd sit up and watch them and this one. I, rem- I remember distinctly like scaring me very much at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and now watching it back now though, I didn't, I'd forgotten how much of it's basically a comedy. <laughs> like a very dark comedy. But this film is funny. Like, do you agree? Um... <laughs> No. You didn't find it funny? No, Did you find I, it scary? I, I don't find it scary either. I mean, I could... Like, I was laughing mm-hmm. at bits, and, like, I'm sure you were laughing even harder. Mm-hmm. But none of those bits looked like they were being played for laughs. It was just like, oh, my God, she's so mad. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's both. <coughs> it's, not like, it's not like it's, you know, broad knockabout, you know... Like not, it's not like it's a Seth Rogen comedy, mm-hmm. but it's comedy in the sense that it, yeah, it's darkly funny. Mm. Like, it does make you laugh. Like, some of her lines of dialogue are really funny. And his... His reaction face has just killed me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Every time she went into some crazy rant, mm-hmm. and then it would just cut back to his face, just like, oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The progression of his realization that he has been taken prisoner by a complete crazy person is, for me, one of the funniest things in the mm-hmm. film. The swearing, Paul. There, I said it. Yeah, the profanity bothers you. It has no nobility. These are slum kids. I was a slum kid. Everybody talks like that. They do not? What do you think I say when I go to the feed store in town? Oh, now, Wally, give me a bag of that effing pig feed and 10 pounds of that bitchly cow corn. And in the bank, do I tell Mrs. Bollinger, oh, here's one big bastard of a check. Give me some of your Christing money. There, look there. See what you made me do? Um, okay, so do you care to do a plot summary? Sure. I mean, it's a pretty simple plot. Misery came out in 1990 based on the book of the same name. This is the first time I think we've done one based on a full Stephen King novel. Rather oh, thank than God. Short story, so yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, can that man actually write? Or... Yeah, just, just little scribbles. Just, yeah. just, here's a post-it note. Make, turn that into the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was based on a post-it note. Fascinating fact. Um, yes, this came out in 1990. It stars Kathy Bates and James Kahn. Mm-hmm. James Kahn is Paul Sheldon who is a well-known, very popular writer, mm-hmm. and he's most famous for a series of books called Misery, which mm-hmm. about uh, which seem to be kind of sort of like page-turny, romantic, pot-boiler kind of historical fiction, you know. So uh, it's pre-Twilight. Yeah, it's definitely got that vibe. It's very commercially yeah. successful, but the critics don't really like it. Mm-hmm. I think it's supposed to be like kind of what you might call chick-lit. You mm-hmm. know? And he kind of has got a bit tired of that being the thing he's most associated with. So his latest novel, he has killed off the character of Misery that he's made, mm-hmm. that has made him all this money and made him famous. It's like the 10th book in the series or something. Um, and he's killed her, killed her off in this new book. So he goes up to his favourite writing retreat, this little remote hut, to write his new novel, which is going to be his, his artistic masterpiece, mm-hmm. breaking away from these romantic pot boilers. And it's a snowy, you know, tiny little town, no one around for miles. Mm-hmm. And he finishes his book and he starts driving back, I guess, to the city or something. Gets caught in a snowdrift. It's um, very predictable at this point. This is very it's predictable. Like, oh, it's snowing and he's driving. What could possibly happen? <laughs> <laughs> and yes, predictably, he has a terrible car accident. Didn't he drop something into the into the footwell of his car at one point yeah. and like I've never looked understood. down? Like it, yeah. it, it always happens. What? Yeah. Why do they always have to drop something? They always drop something. And also, why with, can't it just be just a normal car accident? Yeah, I always find it funny. I, I mean, I'm not a driver, so I don't know. But why is it whenever 
in films, cars get caught in like snowdrifts or extreme weather. Mm. The drivers respond by just going, whoa! Yeah. Just like stick, putting the yeah. steering wheel in every direction like a crazy person. Like, of course yeah. you're going to crash. Just, <laughs> just pull over, wait it out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Anyway. But yeah, there, yeah. there was a point today, uh, I was driving a van, I tried, just as I pulled out the higher place, mm. and my uh, phone bounced on the dashboard just to give me directions. Mm-hmm. I turned a bend, the phone fell off down into the football, and I was like... Oh no! I'm going to leave it there. I have seen way too many films to see to, to know. I'm just going to leave it right there and just listen to it from afar. Well, if you'd crashed into like a snow, if not that it's snowing right now, who would have pulled it you leads out? in August? Yeah. Who, who would have pulled you out and like seventeen degrees? Yeah. <sighs> yeah I'm your number one fan. Who would have pulled me out? Mm, I hope it wouldn't be you. I don't need to hobble you to get you into my flat. Yeah, but stop me from leaving. True. I mean, this film was quite aspirational. Mm. <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyway, yeah. On. So, moving on. Yes, so he gets into a... Hey, John, what are you doing with that sledgehammer? No! <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from me! It's for your own good, Harry. You maniac! <laughs> yeah, so he gets into a car accident. He is horribly, horribly injured. He's pretty much on the brink of death. But then a mysterious figure pulls him out of the snow and mm-hmm. throws him over as it turns out, her shoulder, mm-hmm. carries him back to her. And takes his uh, takes, satchel. Takes his satchel with the manuscript yeah. as well. Um, and takes him back to her kind of remote farmhouse. Which originally I did, like when she picked that up, I didn't notice her, didn't know what the film was. I was like, that's weird. That she <laughs> takes the satchel. Yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. who's taking just like a single small bag from a crashed rack? Mm-hmm. Hmm, this is odd. Well, it makes sense. It did, yeah. It made perfect sense. It led to something, but it was my first sort of clue. I was like, something's up here. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, I I don't watch films where I don't think something is up. Sure, yeah. They're pretty boring otherwise. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a very simple story about a kind-hearted lady who rescues someone. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the end of the film. Avengers Infinity War, Thanos didn't attack. No, he just... (laughs) It made no money. No, he just campaigned against climate change. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, so as it turns out, he has been rescued air quotes mm-hmm. by his number one fan a lady called Annie Wilkes mm-hmm. played by Kathy Bates and she is a, a nurse was a nurse was a nurse it turns out yes was a nurse and she kind of his legs are completely mangled like they are horribly horribly mangled mm-hmm. so she kind of casts them and sets them and stuff but he's basically bedridden and she says that the snowstorm has knocked all the phone lines out so mm-hmm. she can't get into a hospital or the roads are closed but she says you know you can stay with me I will nurse you back to health and as soon as the roads are clear I'll take you to hospital mm-hmm. by the way I'm your number one fan yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I clocked that one I was like yeah. oh okay first red flag yeah yeah <laughs> and then yeah the film basically just follows her and him it's kind of a two hand there are other characters which we'll talk about but most of it is just set in this one room in this bedroom he is trying to recover and get his strength back. All the while, it's becoming increasingly apparent that she'd be crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she's obsessed with the misery novels. Mm. And of course, she so she reads the latest one. She doesn't realise that he's killed her. So then she reads the new misery novel and she does not take that well. No, the death no. of misery she is not happy with. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also doesn't like his new manuscript, that's the, the new novel that he's written, that mm-hmm. she, he allows her to read before he realises that she be crazy. Mm. Um, it, that's that's a new book, isn't it? Yes, that's not a misery book. That's yeah. his like new artistic thing that he actually really wants to write. Yeah. So yeah, I think the I think the the time frame is that the the last misery book is just being published at the beginning of the mm-hmm. film, and he's just finished writing his next book. Mm-hmm. You know, publishing takes like months. Oh, yeah, and months yeah. So yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I'm sure should... it's just the first draft. Like I, I saw throughout the film jumping a little bit ahead here when you see some of his typing. Mm. There's a lot of typos going on there. Yeah. And I thought like, is there some sort of secret code in this? 
What's well, going on? Because it looked like there were multiple spaces and like le- oh, no, le- 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 letters repeated in different yeah. words. Well, that was because she got in a dodgy typewriter. The N wasn't working. Was it? Yeah, she says that. Uh, oh, I missed that. I had questions about that. I was like, how is he going to write a, a whole book without the letter N? <laughs> yeah. And what's the point as well? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just but, get a good typewriter. Yeah. But yeah, basically, yes. Yeah. So she reads his new book and she doesn't like that because it's too it's got too many swears in it. And she doesn't mm-hmm. like swearing. Yeah. So she makes him burn that and she also forces him to write a new misery novel in which he will bring love, misery. I love the scene where she makes him burn it. Yeah. It's great because it's, it, it's decent, like, sort of thriller stuff beforehand. Mm-hmm. And then the moment that he lights it, she just looks so unprepared. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh my goodness, let me take this away from the bed and put it next to the curtains. Yeah. I think you should light the match, Paul. Can't you see it's what God wants? You're so brilliant, I would think you'd certainly be able to see that. We're put on this earth to help people, Paul. Like I'm trying to help you. Please. Help me help you. And then, so he's trapped there, and she's going increasingly crazy. And then there's also a delightful subplot with a police officer, well, a town sheriff and his wife, who are kind of half-heartedly investigating whether or not he's gone missing or died or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the film. Mm-hmm. It just kind of builds up until um, the inevitable conclusion when um, they have a big old fight. Yeah. But lo- lo- the most entertaining things happen in between. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So what were some of your favourite moments in this film? Uh, probably that bit where she's screaming at him. Is, is it about the paper? Well, she screams many times. Well, is it, I, th- I think it's it's the one about the the paper that looks like quite an iconic scene. Like I've seen that image before. Oh, um, do you mean the paper, or do you mean the bit where she's ranting about the TV serial that's changed the ending between episodes? That's it. Yes. Thank yeah. You. He yeah. didn't get out of the cockadoody car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is an iconic scene, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm on her side for that. I thought you might be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you ever like, had... like, like if Avengers Endgame picked up and it turned out that you know Thor stopped it just before the the end of Infinity War yeah. and did it differently? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, she's 100%. She's like a pre-fanboy, basically. Mm. If, she, if Annie Wilkes was like in the computer age, she'd just be living on internet forums like ranting about like bad writing <laughs> for like you know, Star Wars or something. Yeah. She'd be one of those people sending death threats to Ryan Johnson or something. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She just started all those petitions. hundred percent. Yeah, the petition to like remake you know, the Last Jedi, remake Game of Thrones. Yes, that would be that would be Annie Wilkes. That's mm. who she would be, and maybe she wouldn't have killed anyone. You know, she would have just got all of that anger out on on online forums instead. But oh, isn't the internet good? It, it's it's keeping people alive, mm. yeah. giving potential murderers an outlet for their impotent rage. Mm-hmm. Yes. When I was growing up in Bakersfield, my favorite thing in all the world was to go to the movies on Saturday afternoons for the chapter plays. Cliffhangers. I know that, Mister Man. They also call them cereals. I'm not stupid, you know. Anyway, my favorite was Rocket Man. And once it was a no-breaks chapter. 
And the bad guy stuck him in a car on a mountain road, knocked him out and welded the door shut and tore out the brakes and started him to his death. And he woke up and tried to steer and tried to get out, but the car went off a cliff before he could escape. And it crashed and burned and I was so upset and excited. And the next week, you better believe I was first in line. And they always start with the end of the last week. And there was Rocket Man trying to get out. And here comes the cliff. And just before the car went off the cliff, he jumped free and all the kids cheered. But I didn't cheer. I stood right up and started shouting, this isn't what happened last week. Have you all got amnesia? They just cheated us. This isn't fair. He didn't get out of the cock a car. Should we talk about the performances? I guess? Like, what did you think of the acting in this? Yeah. Just now? No, that was fantastic. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite. I think it's definitely her performance is one of my all-time favorites. Like watching mm-hmm. it, but I remember like it's so perfect. Like mm-hmm. she's so brilliant in this. Like, have you seen Kathy Bates in much? Like it's- only Titanic. Oh, of course, she's in Titanic. Yes, she's great. Great in that too. New money. New money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God Almighty. <laughs> Yeah, she's the best. Yeah, she wasn't famous. This was like her breakout role. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, she was mostly known as a like a, a theater actress. Mm. But then she knew someone. One of the producers knew of her and was like, "This this woman will be perfect." Because mm-hmm. I think if they'd had like a Hollywood type, mm. it wouldn't have worked as well. No. Like, you know, the whole point is that she's like you know not that. Do you know if there's anybody else up for the role? Yes. Well, both roles. Um. So his the this, the the James Carmel. <laughs> I thought you were just going to give one name. Both roles were going to go to uh, Meryl Streep. Yes. Uh. No. <laughs> pretty much everyone turned down the James Carn role. Yeah. Like, everyone you can think of turned that down because they thought, rightly so, that they'd be overshadowed by her performance because she's mm. got the showy role. Mm-hmm. Like so. Um. Yeah. It was turned before James Carn took it. It was turned down by Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. It was turned down by Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. which I can very much see. Mm. It was turned down by Harrison Ford. Yeah. Again, much like Shawshank. He could have been in so many of these films. Uh, turned down by Bill Murray. That would have been different. That would have been real different. That would have been very weird. Yeah. It would have been even more obviously a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, pretty much everyone who's anyone who was a male acting, mm. in, who was middle aged, vaguely middle aged, in like 1990, mm-hmm. was offered this before it went to James Caan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kathy Bates, I believe she was an early, like an early choice, but people who were also considered, in, according to IMDb, Angelica Houston turned it down mm-hmm. from The Witches and The Addams Family. Mm-hmm. Barbara Streisand turned it down. <laughs> Always considered for it briefly. <laughs> it was Barbara Streisand and Bill Murray, that would be... A that, would be a, that would be such a different... <laughs> yeah. And Bette Midler too. So again, like it would have been so much more like silly, I think, if it was like because mm. you know, I don't think they would have played it as in quite the same way. No. I think Kathy Bates is just the per- it's the perfect role for her. Like, yeah, she just <clears throat> nails it so much. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and she was the she won the Oscar mm-hmm. Best Actress that year, mm-hmm. uh, and she is the first ever Best Actress win for a horror film. Mm. Yeah, there's been only like a handful ever since. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, Jodie Foster won for Sounds of the Lambs the following year, mm-hmm. and then Anthony Hopkins also won for Sounds of the Lambs. And yeah, there's not many more really. Mm. So yeah, so one of the rare horror movies. I'm deservedly so because it's such a stand-up performance. Mm, yeah, yeah. Although I think he's he didn't even get nominated. He he as every, as all the actors who turned it down predicted, he got completely overshadowed with yeah. awards and stuff. But I think he's just as good as she is. Mm. Like not as like iconic, but for it to work, you need to really believe in both of them. Mm, yeah. And like I said, his reactions are so good. Like his just and it's so deadpan. He he's not trying to like overshadow her like or, or actor. Like she's going like 
full tilt to 11 at a certain point in this film, you know, mm-hmm. like the cockadoody car ramps. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, every time it went from that to just cutting to his face, just like, oh God. Like, it was just, for me, the funniest part of the film. It, mm-hmm. it was it was brilliant. Yeah. And a lot of it's like without dialogue because they, they, they talk to each other, but a lot of it's just him alone. Like, I, I remember when I was a kid, the scenes when he gets out. When you know, when get, she goes, first gets out of the room and he's yeah. wheelchairing around. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that being like, holy shit, it's just yeah. so tense. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, oh God, she's coming back. And you like you, you see the car and mm-hmm. yeah. I liked all the things when like he's looking around her house and he sees a few things, he doesn't get them straight away. Like say, one of them, he just looks at this big red book that just says like memories or, oh, some, yeah. or something like that. And I was like, oof, crikey. I'm not, I, I would not look in that. I'd be like, I'm just going to leave right now because that is going to be a book full of madness. <laughs> it's either going to be like, my entire life yeah. from birth until now or is this going to be all the other people that she's got locked up somewhere mm-hmm. uh, well it turned out it was just a big old book of evidence like against yeah, herself yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't it I was surprised like why would you keep a book of all this, all those scraps like mm. yeah it was interesting <laughs> yeah I mean I didn't get the impression that she was like running from the law or anything no no she's not well that's the other thing so it just, turns, she's got a past she's got a past yeah and it turns out her past includes a whole lot of baby murder mm-hmm. so yeah when he gets into this Precious Memories like album, it, it's got loads of newspaper clippings of her childhood and her growing up and stuff. And also then her, she, she was a nurse and it turns out that she killed a bunch of babies and went to jail. Mm. I, it did leave me to wonder, how long is the sentence for baby murder? Because I would think long. Yeah. I think mean, that's as long as you're going to get. Yeah. But she's obviously like, she's not super old. She's like, I, well, Kathy Bates was about 40. Mm-hmm. I guess you're supposed to believe that Annie Wilkes is as well, roughly. So, you know, Kathy Bates doing this character, I'd love to see Lawrence as New Black. Oh, 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 I see, as like her prison sentence time. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be interesting. That, yeah. it, that'd be a good look. Like, like, she's just one season villain. Yeah. She, she's there for one season and gone, you know, like V in season two or mm-hmm. those sisters <laughs> last season. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, she That would be, be very good, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Sadly, that won't happen. That's not going to happen now, no. later, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but she's basically collected her own bunch of evidence against herself. Mm. I liked before that there were all the little hints it dropped about her past. Because again, they were kind of well-written, but also slightly funny. Like, there's a bit where she just randomly says, my memory gets fuzzy sometimes. I could, that's why I could never remember what to say when I was on the tr- on the stand that time. And, like, <laughs> yeah. and there's no context, but you're like, what? Like, <laughs> what did you do? Like, yeah. <laughs> I loved all that. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah. Mm. And then uh, I guess the other characters that are worth talking about are the sheriff and his wife. The sheriff who seems way more invested than anybody else. I loved how like nobody cared. Yeah, it was weird. It made it look like he was just Sherlock Holmes going above and beyond, and like mm. he was he had some sort of personal thing in this case. Yeah, but no, he he was just the only person vaguely doing his job and leaving no stone unturned. Like, he noticed that the branch of a tree was broken Yeah. before anybody was reported missing. Mm. Oh, I love that. I love <laughs> and he it. investigated yeah. that. I love that he gets to, like, go full Columbo. I like yeah. it when you get, like, films where the detectives get to detect and, like, mm. do their jobs. It's mm-hmm. great. But, yeah, James Caan has the car accidents. They find the car wreckage, mm-hmm. but he's not in it. But they're like, well, he's dead. Yeah. It's just, you know, he, he's clearly dead. And do this whole press conference, and they're like, yes, well, he's presumed dead. We'll probably just find him when the snow melts in the summer, or yeah. if the animals don't get to him first. It's yeah. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> a well-known person, you know, a famous author, has gone missing, and you're not even going to like dig up to find the body? He's going to be like, well, it'll turn up. 
just seemed so laissez-faire about it. It was like, <laughs> yeah, he's got a daughter. She apparently doesn't seem to be kicking up much oh, yeah. of a fuss. Like, his agent seems to be the one who's most invested. And even she doesn't really show up after they decide that he's dead. <laughs> She's not like, well, find the body. Nobody cares. It's just like, well, I guess it'll turn up. <laughs> it was bizarre. <laughs> Maybe in that part of the world that just happens so much, they just get used to it. I don't know. Like, those kind of car accidents, people just, you know, Maybe. getting lost in the snow. Mm. Also, I, feel I, guess, like, I feel like that's not the solution, though. No, just wait until... <laughs> wait and hope the badgers don't eat them. You know? Yeah, let put some fences up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, get people to drive safer. Yeah, well, yeah, a few road stops would have helped, yeah. Mm. So. <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought uh, it was Richard Farnsworth, one of the great, like, old man actors of all time. Mm-hmm. I thought he was just so delightful. Him mm. and his wife's whole dynamic is like... Because most of the film's so intense, it's just between like Annie Wilkes and Paul Sheldon, just those mm-hmm. two. And then just every now and again, when it gets too tense, it'll just cut to this nice, sweet old bickering couple. It's just like, mm. oh, this is a nice little break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's not here. I don't know where he is. He never tells me anything anymore. He's probably out having an affair somewhere. Wait a minute. He's coming in now. It's Jim Taylor. He wants to know who you're having an affair with. <sighs> Virginia, I'm flattered that you think I've got that much energy. I felt really sad when he died. Yeah. Because I, I got really sad thinking, I'm glad they didn't share. I got really, got really sad thinking of like her finding out that he'd been killed. Mm. I was like, oh, oh, that's so nice. Like, yeah. I mean, she'll probably die a few days later anyway. Yeah, I mean, she's... At that age. Fair enough, yeah. she's Although the actress, 25 years later, still kicking. Mm. Yeah, But I know what you mean, yes. Yeah. Even so. Old people tend to die together. Oh, I guess, yeah. Couples, I mean. You'd hope for those. Well, yeah, that's the saddest thing. She's left alone. Mm. Really sad. Yeah, he was kind of, he's kind of your classic red herring, though, because he kind of spends the whole film investigating. It builds and builds mm-hmm. up. And then he finally goes to Annie Wilkes' house. So obvious he was going to die. Yeah, yeah I've I mean, seen yeah. it in every other horror movie. The, mm. the police officer or the, like, the only shred of help shows up. Yeah. And, yeah, they're going to get killed. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not a huge shock. Because that's not how you want the... You don't want them... To just be like, oh, right, okay, well, that was crazy. I guess I'll arrest you then. Yeah. And that's the end of the film. That's... No, that's never satisfying. You, no. need, you need the cathartic moments of the person saving themselves in some way. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously he was the, he was basically a sacrificial lamb, but uh, I still felt bad for the guy. Uh, yeah, and then um, that's the end of the film, really. Oh, well, we haven't talked about the most iconic scene of the film. Oh, the yeah, scene that I was most invested in you not learning about beforehand, because <laughs> it is... One of the all-time most iconic like horror movie scenes, mm-hmm. and that is of course uh, the hobbling mm-hmm. scene. Yeah, that is pretty intense. <laughs> I really wasn't sure if she was going to go through with it, yeah, or if the film was going to show it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it really goes there. Yeah, one hundred percent goes there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's rough. <laughs> yeah, I remember that being very obsessing when I was a kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not the kind of thing you want to see when you're 12 years old. Like. No, not at all. Because they even showed the foot going sideways, mm. and you hear the crack of the bone. It's so well done. Like. Mm. They showed just enough without showing too much. Yeah. Because if they'd shown too much, it would have been like, oh, that's obviously a fake foot. Because obviously it is. Yeah. But they just, like, they cut away really. So you see it, and then it cuts away, and it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. And your brain does the rest. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, God. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that wasn't very nice at all. No. But, but a great horror scene. Mm-hmm. A great horror scene. I really liked like her as a villain in this film because it was again kind of similar to Fatal Attraction in a way but I think better is that this is better I mean is that like she wasn't just evil or just insane she had little moments of like you know you could tell she was just obviously very traumatised and very you know and also a, a crazy lady don't get mm-hmm. me wrong clearly crazy yeah. but like I, I always like villains more when they've got like little moments of like 
weakness in humanity they're not just like twirling their mustaches mm. like you know the bit where she comes in and she's like super depressed and she's like I know you don't love me and like you're gonna leave soon and maybe I'll just kill myself first or it's just like it's good she's a very compelling villain because mm. you do feel for her a little bit but you're also like oh god get away and it's just yeah yeah it's great it's a very very good horror performance mm. yeah um, yeah but then that leads to the end of the film I guess which I've got to say I don't love no I don't know how they could improve it like, I don't know what the right way to end this film would be mm-hmm. but I don't love what I don't love that last scene it, it just gets a bit silly mm. like I like the setup the setup's great so she's making him retcon this novel so that Misery's alive and well after all mm-hmm. the, the character he, he killed off in the original in this mm-hmm. last book and so he buys some time when, when she decides that they have to like it's gonna be like a suicide pact thing or like she's going to kill him and commit suicide when she completely unravels at the end. And he's like, he buys some time. He's like, well, let me finish the last chapter mm-hmm. of the book. And then, you know, then we can give misery back to the world, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, I don't know if he even actually writes anything, but he claims that he's written like all the answers to everything she wants to know. Mm-hmm. And then he sets it up. So he's got a match and he's got his lighter fluid that he found downstairs. Mm-hmm. And like, he sets the last, he sets the whole book on fire. And then mm-hmm. with that distraction, she obviously freaks out and starts trying to rescue the book. And then that's how he, bashes her over the head with a typewriter mm-hmm. which is great that's all great but then when it just turns into this like oh god just die already yeah it got a bit much yeah. and also it's very violent <laughs> yeah it, it just basically ends with him like pounding her to death with various things in her like just refusing to die and it's just mm-hmm. a bit okay like again it's this it's exactly the same as fatal attraction fatal mm-hmm. attraction has the exact same problem where it's very psychologically tense and builds up this like multi-layered character you know the Glenn Close character in that is, you know, this is re- again a really damaged, multi-layered villain, and at the, at the end, she's just this monster who would die. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's like, okay, this is not the same character anymore. Mm, now yeah. it's just like a monster. So yeah, but I don't know how you would find a way to end it more satisfactory than that. To be honest, like, mm-hmm. what could you? Anything would be anticlimactic. I guess he has to kill her mm. uh, for the film, for the film's purposes. Mm-hmm. He kind of has to kill her, I guess. So yeah, mm-hmm. and he certainly does. Yes, uh, quite. Quite brutally. Yeah, it takes his time about it as well. Well, she jumps up like three times. Like he, mm. he bashes her over the head with a typewriter, and then they like roll on the floor, throttling each other and stuff. And then he sticks his thumbs in her eye. It all goes a bit Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh no. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the last thing he does is the pig. Like the, she's got like the uh, the pig the piggy paperweights, and she like oh yeah, he smashes her in, in the he brains her basically pretty much yeah. And then then she then she is definitively dead. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And somehow he manages to escape after that like yeah not entirely sure how since she doesn't seem to have a working phone no he must have wheelchaired himself yeah although i guess the police guy the sheriff would have been him going missing i guess there might be a radio in a car yeah well i'm sure he must he would have told his wife where he was going or something and i'm, so Maybe, I'm sure yeah. Someone, yeah he gets rescued anyway mm. and then the film ends with him back in new york he's written a new book but and then he keeps he's kind of haunted by he keeps seeing her everywhere even though she's dead mm. it's like Someone else comes up and says, "I'm your number one fan," and he's like, "Oh, thanks." <laughs> it's, a, it's a good, funny ending. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paul, since you brought her up, I have to ask you this, or I'll be drummed out of the agents' union. How would you feel about a non-fiction book about what went on in that house? Jim Marsh, if I'd know you better, I think you were suggesting I dredge up the worst horror of my life just so we can make a few bucks. <laughs> I thought you were over. I don't know if anyone could ever totally get over something like that. It's weird. Even though I know she's dead, I still think about her once in a while. Excuse me, I don't mean to bother you, but are you Paul Sheldon? 
Yes. I just want to tell you I'm your number one fan. That's very sweet of you. Yeah. I, I'm glad you enjoyed this one. I, I expected you might. But, again, I don't think we've quite got to a Stephen King horror movie yet. I think we've got, like, Shawshank and Stamp, like Stamp Mummy. Mm-hmm. It's a you know, coming-of-age adolescent kids film. We've got Shawshank, which is just like a hopeful friendship film, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then we've got this, which is, I would say, a very black comedy. With horror elements. I'd still call it a thriller, I think. Thriller more than horror, yeah. 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 It's not like scary monsters. No. It's, yeah. Okay, shall we get to drinking games then? Yeah, sure. So the first one I've got here is drink whenever she loses control. Oh yeah, I've got that drink for any any Annie rants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She did really good face work in this film. Just the way her eyes just bulge out, like, and she's just completely mad. losing mad. She's getting yeah, it's, absolutely it's, it's mad. Great mad acting. Yeah. yeah. It's really, really good. Yeah. No, it's yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So yeah, that's very good. Uh, I had one drink for spilled liquids. Yeah, sure. Lots, there's lots of lots of her spilling liquids on him or around him. Mm-hmm. So there's the lighter fluid when she makes him burn the manuscript. Mm-hmm. There is the soup. When the first one is the soup. That's when mm-hmm. she first goes a bit crazy when she's ranting about the swearing mm-hmm. in his new book. Uh, and then what else? Was she, oh, she spills the wine. The oh. wine. Yeah. Oh, that that's so that's so sad. Yeah. When he's like spend, he spends like half the film with this escape plan that he's like yeah. meticulously like hiding his. She's giving him like painkiller drugs mm. or some kind of drugs, and he's meticulously hiding them away and under his mattress so that you can like put enough together to basically knock her out or kill her mm-hmm. he has the whole plan in motion he invites her to dinner they sit down he pours it into a wine and then she knocks it over accidentally mm-hmm. and it's just his face his <laughs> face is so good just that complete like oh fuck like mm-hmm. just absolute <laughs> it was great wasn't it, it? Was, it was like what do i do now yeah just and, and then he has to like pull it together like because she doesn't know that he's tried to poison her so mm-hmm. it's like then he has to just like snap back into his fake, you know, I like you really kind of thing. And it's just, oh, you can just see the life like die in his eyes. It's mm. so good. I do think he should have got like not nominated for an Oscar as well. Like, yeah, like it's mm. yeah. such a two handed thing. It's a shame that only, like, she deserved everything she got. But like, mm-hmm. I, I definitely think it's a two, it, it's a two handed, you know, story. And yeah. He's just as important. And in those scenes, he's just as good as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So next one, drunk when he lies. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. Happens quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Just to kind of keep her mollified, I guess. Mm. But, you know, keep her sort of in a sense of security. Yeah, I guess once, once he realizes what a dangerous situation he's in, he does a lot of like really good lies to kind of keep her happy as much as she mm. possibly can. Yeah, going along with it, sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and also and also to kind of manipulate her into doing the things that are going to help him, like you know, mm-hmm. send her out to get more paper and stuff, or uh, you know, just setting things up for. You know, the final chapter, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's pretty resourceful. I'll give him like a problem I have with a lot of horror films, especially like modern ones, is like all the characters act in ways that are just stupid. Mm-hmm. Like you know when we watched Mar or Truth or Dare, like which I both of which are films I enjoyed, mm-hmm. but like you can't really care about the characters who are being victimized because they're all so dumb. Yeah, they're just trying to get killed. You know what I mean? Like they make every wrong decision. In this, like, he's really tries so many different ways to escape, and they're all pretty much all sensible. Mm. Like, he he does things that you think, yeah, that's probably what I would try and do. I would try and pick the door, and then I would maybe try and drug her because that's mm-hmm. my best way of getting. And mm-hmm. then I would set something up. That's what makes a good horror film, I think, is when you can be like, okay, yeah, this person deserves to live because he's trying his best to survive the situation. Yeah, he's not just running upstairs when the killer comes in. No. Somewhere, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so again, similarly, I had drink for every time James Khan does a fabulous reaction face. Mm-hmm. So. 
We've talked about them a lot already. Like every time she's ranting and raving. Also, when the pig misery comes in, that's a good one. Oh yeah, yeah. One of the strangest scenes in the film, but one that I really enjoyed yeah. when her because she lives on a remote farm, and um, yes, there's one scene where a pig just runs into the bed and just starts like sniffing at him. And mm. There's a good minute, I think, before she comes in and explains <laughs> what's going on. He's just like, "What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Why is this here?" <laughs> and then it's like, "This is my favorite pet pig," yeah, which is also called Misery, of yeah. course, because she's obsessed with Misery. Um, <laughs> Yes, I just loved his face. I thought he gave great, great mm-hmm. face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, drink whenever he takes a pill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Drink for leg and or foot shots. The yeah, mang- the mangled legs get some good airtime in this film. Yeah, plenty of them. Obviously, the, the hobbling scene, but also just generally, like they really make you feel how much pain he's in. And so every time he like rolls out of bed and stuff, and he, he, he like screams, and you just, you can mm-hmm. feel it. You're like, mm-hmm. oh god, that must hurt. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, drink for every injury as it happens. Oh, oh just to get you through it. Drink mm-hmm. through the injuries. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> just waterfall the hobbling scene entirely. Just mm-hmm. like, don't even look at it. Just like... <laughs> yep, pretty much. Drink every time Annie makes up a word or uses a made-up word. Sure. Just like because she doesn't swear. That's mm-hmm. her thing. She doesn't. She doesn't like swear words. But instead, she just says like really funny nonsense words. Like obviously, cockadoodie is great. Mm-hmm. She says something like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I made you feel all oogie." Like, <laughs> I just love the way she talks. It's just really funny to me. Like she uses all these very like quaint little you know terms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, drink every time someone says the word misery. Oh yeah, that's good too. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that like this romantic series of novels, the character is called Misery. It's such. I guess it's like you know that's the joke. But, like, it's just such a bad name for a romantic heroine. It really is, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. Misery makes me so happy, you know. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> you killed my misery. I want misery, I love misery. It's just... <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Again, I guess that's about Stephen King and how he just got sick of writing horror film, horror stories or something like that. I yeah. guess, yeah. But, yeah, it's good. Uh, that's pretty much all I've got, really. Yeah, know. I've also got one more, which is Drink Whenever Kathy Bates goes just a little bit cross-eyed. Oh yes, well that's part of it. Yeah, the, yeah, the eye, the eye bulging mm. thing is just fantastic. So, yeah. mm-hmm. how on earth an actor does that? I know. Yeah, she deserved that Oscar. She truly did. Like, mm. talk about going to eleven, like chewing the scenery, but in a good way. Like, mm-hmm. it's just yeah, it's one of my all-time faves. It really is. Like, yeah, it's such a good performance. You, you, dirty bird! How could you? She can't be dead. Misery Chastain cannot be dead. Annie, in 1871, women often died in childbirth. But her spirit is the important thing, and Misery's spirit is still alive. I don't want her spirit! I want her! And you murdered her! Very good. Okay. Well, uh, before we get to our sequels, because I think we're done with everything else. Yeah, I think so. Listeners, um, if you've enjoyed this episode or any others, then you can subscribe to us for as much or as little as you think we're worth by going to patreon.com slash beyondtheboxset. If you do that, you get a few bonus features. One of them's called Beyond Beyond the Box Set, and that's a little podcast that we do there as well, where we review cinema releases. Mm-hmm. Also, every patron has uh, one patron episode a month. Mm-hmm. Um no, wait, one Patreon has one Patreon episode a month. Every month we get one Patreon. Every, 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 you, every you got month. really good at this for a while. Don't go, don't backslide, come on. Every month we pick a Patreon who uh, can choose an episode for us. Yes. Which I believe we're doing in a week or two, maybe, we'll see. Possibly, it depends on scheduling. But yeah, yes. basically, if you are a Patreon, every so often we will cycle through you, and we will ask you to choose a film that you would like to hear us discuss on this show. And if you want to join us to talk, discuss it with us, you are welcome to do so. If not, we can just do it instead. But yeah. So if we've not got to your favourite film yet, 
sign up for £2 a month or more and we will do it for you. Mm-hmm. And then finally, um, also once every month per Patreon. Yes. That's right this time. Uh, you get a 30-second th- advert slot on yes. the main show. We can advertise anything you want. It can be your own podcast, your own business, whatever you want. Indeed. Um, and that's all. So That's, that's all. everything. So yeah, That's all it. available at patreon.com slash beyondtheboxset. Cool. So yes, please sign up. We very much appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess that brings us to the sequel pitches portion of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are first this week, I believe. Yeah, sure. So okay. Hit me with a sequel. Mine's not really got a title. Okay. Well, the title I've put here is Misery 2. This time it's Game of Thrones. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> I mean, I had a few ideas leading up to it. First of all, I was like, I'm definitely doing Marvel. Like, okay. The writer's going to be Stanley, and I know who I'm casting as well. The guy from Glow. Which guy from... Oh, Bash? The young guy? The no, guy? no, no. The, the guy... Uh, I was going to say the guy with the moustache. Oh, Mark Maron. <laughs> um, the uh, the director. Yes, Mark Maron. Yeah. Oh, so he was going to kidnap Stanley. No, no, no. He he would be the guy playing Stanley. Oh, of course, because Stanley's dead. So he's going to play Stanley. <laughs> Stanley wouldn't be playing himself in this. I was just, I was, that was going to be my follow-up question. Okay, so he's... That, I guess, that's pretty good casting for Stanley. He does look and sound like a young Stanley. He really does, yeah. Yeah, interesting. And by young, it's like... Well, you know, young. Not a 96-year-old. Not in his early hundreds, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I like that. That's interesting. <clears throat> but I didn't go with that because I didn't really know uh, where to go with it. Sure. And I thought... But if they ever do make a, a film of Stanley's life, and I'm sure they will one day, mm. good casting. Right, really good casting. That is Mark Maron's Oscar right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I thought, oh, maybe I should try something out with a bit more of a toxic fan base. Oh, Because okay. Marvel's fan base is not that toxic. Oh, Re- no, they're all delightful. Yeah. Re- well, you know, relatively. I think the difference is that the Marvel fan base has been kept pretty happy. Yeah, yeah. They haven't had... <laughs> yeah. They haven't yet had, like, a real thing that they can rebel against because all mm. the Marvel films have been, you know, well-received. There's not yeah. been one... You get you get a little bit every now and then, like, oh, it's a woman starring this. This is this is too much Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, there's definitely a huge backlash against Brie Larson and Captain Marvel. I noticed yeah. that. But that's kind of the extent of it. Yeah. And I also get the impression that those kind of people aren't all Marvel fans. They're just loud people. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not... I don't think Captain Marvel was received as poorly as The Last Jedi, for example. No, which was going to be the next thing. Like, yeah. you know, that's a that's a pretty easy one to go to. Just like, yeah. Star Wars Last Jedi, no one seemed to like that. Maybe they should do that again or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I know that a listener submission has already suggested that and I didn't really want to copy it entirely. Fair enough. So I went on to the next best thing. Okay. Which I feel like is something I can talk about a little bit more, maybe, which is Game of Thrones. Okay. I've got a sense that I know where this is going to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So one thing that I've done is I've actually kept the same casting. Oh, interesting. Okay. So James Kahn is now going to be playing George R. R. Martin, along with a couple of wigs. Interesting. He's going to put on a bit of waist as well, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It can be done. It can be done, yeah. Or fat suits. Yeah. Whatever works, yeah. So he's going to be sitting in his country house somewhere in America. Okay. I presume he's rich. I'm pretty sure George R. R. Martin is not strapped for cash, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, having just finished the manuscript for the final book in the series. Okay. Um, he sits back in his chair and dies of old age. No, I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> short. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he sits back in his chair, exhales, and then leans forward to sign his name on the last page. Just this little signature, just to say, like, this was my work. I'm proud of this. So this is this is the long-awaited last ever Game of Thrones mm-hmm. novel. Because like, he's, like, got two left he's to got, do. He's it? got two left. Let's let's say that this film is set after the sixth one has, has come out. And so there's, there's just one left So he now. did finish the sixth one, and he actually did finish the seventh one. Mm-hmm. So this film is set in 2050. <laughs> 
I mean, I, I, I looked it up. There's rumours that he's about to announce the launch date for it, but I am sure that that has been headline articles for about five years. Yes, it has. But okay, no, sure. Well, let, let's just say he, he just yeah, the burst or, of or, or maybe the other one is done and it's already at the publishers. Yeah. That, that, that could also be a thing. Sure. Well, no, that's fine. So he, he's just finished the last one. He's just finished the first draft of the last book. Great, yes. okay. He sits down for a while smoking a victory cigar Great. while indulging himself on drunk food. <laughs> now thinking of himself as a literary legend mm-hmm. like J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah. I mean, he would be if he pulled his finger out and finished them. Yeah. yeah, and if the TV show wasn't so bad. Yeah. So he, give, he gives his manuscript to his maid, who has served him for many years. His maid? <laughs> well, initially I went butler. Okay. Not sure. What, what, what do you think? No, maid works, yeah. Yeah, okay, sure. Obviously Kathy Bates. Right, I see. Okay. Um, so she's his loyal maid and has been like with him for this whole time. Yeah, or okay. assistant or something, or just like yeah. the person who just, you know, does this housekeeping for him. Housekeeper, and, yeah. yeah. Housekeeper, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the way I've got it, he doesn't employ anybody else. So like she can be the cook, the butler, the housekeeper, everything. Right, okay. Whatever. So after um, a heavy night of drinking, um, eating and smoking, George eventually goes to bed. I'm um, loving this image of what George R. R. Martin's life is. Just I'm just trying to give an image of like, oh my god, this man could honestly die at any second. Oh, okay, sure. Um, <laughs> so in the middle of the night, she silently walks into his room with uh, by candlelight. Mm-hmm. She walks up to him and injects something into his arm. Mm-hmm. After a minute or two, she pulls back the quilt to reveal his legs, which she then goes out with a sledgehammer. Oh no. So you're getting all the greatest tits in the first five minutes, right? Really. Yeah, open with this. Okay, great. Open, open strong. <laughs> Making sure to go for the kneecaps, amongst other things. Yeah. Do you know in the book, mm. she doesn't hobble him. She actually cuts his feet off with an axe and then cauterizes them. Wow. You know, you know what cauterization is, right? It's, it's like, burning it, basically. Yeah, basically yeah. burns to stop, yeah. And that was supposed to be in the film, but they were like, no, that's too much. And I think it worked, the hobbling works better. Oh, definitely. Because it's, definitely that would have been like a long scene. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas this is just like, it's quick and it's horrible and yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, the hobbling works well. So it's similar thing here. She's just going to go at his legs with a, a hammer, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. Yeah. She then also punches him repeatedly in the ribs. Let's see, out of hatred. Is this you just working out your anger at George R.R. Martin? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> it feels and personal. Also gets a little punch on the face, breaking his nose. Oh, God, poor George R. He's unconscious through all of this. Oh, because he's been knocked out. He's been drugged. Wow, okay. Next morning, he wakes up in his bed, legs both in casts and bandages all over his body, and she walks in. Mm-hmm. She explains that a couple nights ago, she found him at the bottom of the stairs, seriously injured. Oh, okay. She says she called the doctor right away, and he came round and put his legs in casts and bandaged him up. The doctor also apparently said that all George can do at this point is rest, and not physically exert himself at all. But given his age, some of these injuries may never heal properly, so he really needs to keep his brain active so it doesn't oh. deteriorate. Okay. She goes on to explain that the doctor told her everything she needed to know to look after him and that she would be at his, at his call, giving him a small bell for his bedside table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they start spending more and more time together, basically so she can keep his brain active okay. while his body heals. Now, they obviously talk about Game of Thrones and she expresses her disappointment with the TV show <laughs> and, and strongly hopes that the books that he's written are somewhat better. Mm-hmm. Um, so he offers to let her read the manuscript for his final book. Uh, so she just preemptively maimed and mauled him without having even read it yet, just to, just on the off chance. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. I've, I've, I've not I've not fully written written that through. Okay. Sure. 
um, I, I did then have the idea like, okay, what if now at this point she then goes down and has the Game of Thrones marathon and then comes up at different points just like, you just killed off all the main characters in season three. What did you do? <laughs> she just really takes the Red Wedding heart. Yeah, like, <laughs> I could see her just going up and ranting at each point, but that doesn't really line up with the plot I've done there. So oh, okay. you could write around Maybe it took her a few, a few years to get around to it, you know. Yeah, no. oh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so from there it's kind of, she asks him to rewrite book seven because basically the manuscript that he's written is beat for beat what happens in the TV show. Oh, no, okay. It's shorter than mm. it needs to be. Right. It's just a, a there, pamphlet. There's, yeah. an, there's an entire chapter of Tyrion moving chairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's exactly the TV show. Like, right, she was okay. holding out for the yeah. books to really fix the issues and, like, you know, it to be a really good uh, series of books. And, uh, yeah, so she forces him to start doing his best work. Okay. And kind of where it repeats a few different beats of the... Uh, the original film, but I'd be quite happy with that. To be honest, I, yeah, I can, I'd be happy with more of more of the same. I can well imagine that just Kathy Bates are ranting and raving about, yeah, John. You can't bring John Snow back from the dead. Or, you killed my John Snow or something like. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it's at the point where, like, hey, you killed him. You shouldn't have killed him. Bring him back somehow. Yes. Yeah. That red witch. That she's ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. all. Her, that's all on her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it. where I wasn't too sure, because like, and now I don't really know where to go other than just repeating the, the original film exactly. Okay. Um, and uh, as Stephen King seems to, I'm struggling with how to finish it. Sure. What, what You told me before we started recording that you'd gone super dark this week. Oh, it was only was? when I was beating up George R. R. Martin. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, is it that was just working out your rage? Okay. Yeah. yeah. What I if... think it's just that I actually gave, uh, that character is actually based off a real person and I'm there kneecapping him. Sure, just feels yeah. a bit much. Sure. Well, you know. I've got no problem with him. No, but it seems like you do. <laughs> He's never going to guest on the show now. Um, he probably will just to kill some time. Damn, we have a lineup up for next week. Yeah. Well, I can guest on this podcast or I can finish the book. I'll yeah. do the podcast. Like, <laughs> I think we could get him. With that yeah. Um... Could he be rescued by the cast of Game of Thrones somehow? <laughs> to bring them in? Yeah, no, that could totally Oh, because I was thinking they could be Kathy Bates. Instead of being Kathy Bates, it could be like, maybe he gets kidnapped by Amelia Clark, who's so pissed off that her character, after seven years of character building, gets such a shitty end. Mm-hmm. But also, if, if not that, then maybe, yeah, maybe they save him in some way. Yes, that could totally be a thing. I Maisie did, Williams has to be heavily involved. I did have an idea that it was going to be about uh, the two showrunners. Mm-hmm. Instead of George R. R. Martin, and it was all oh, yes, gonna, and it was all going to be about then the actors and the fans kind of coming together after the final season I to see. be like, this was bullshit. Yeah, remake it. Yeah, <laughs> the petition worked. Yeah, <laughs> I guess maybe you could go a little bit meta. Maybe Kathy Bates is working with with them in some way, or no. like I'm thinking like maybe they're all bitter. Like maybe Sophie Turner's really bitter because she's just been in Dark Phoenix. It's been like the biggest flop of the year, and like you know, like, <laughs> yeah. She's got an axe to grind as well. Like she needs, she she thought she wanted to get out of Game of Thrones, but now the film career is not exactly upsy upsy. So she needs more. Mm-hmm. She needs to come back. She needs that Sansa spin off, you know, mm-hmm. which the you know, the fans are crying out for. Yeah. Okay, so what you're saying is, George R. R. Martin does eventually manage to overthrow Kathy Bates, mm-hmm. you know, up in his bedroom, and he finally makes his way downstairs somehow. Like maybe he's got a stair lift. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I don't know he, he he works it out. He gets downstairs. And he gets out and he, find, he opens the front door, expecting freedom, and he's surrounded by the cast of Game of Thrones. Yeah. And they're all there with, like, baseball bats, sledgehammers, <laughs> knives, and, like, yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Or maybe maybe the version that he... Even though he writes, like, a new sequel under... He rewrites book seven, like, 
she forces him to rewrite it. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that it is actually much better than the original. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, there's something here. And mm. uh, maybe it has a happy ending where they do in- indeed agree to refilm season seven and burn all copies of the original and pretend it never happened. Mm, and then yeah. it comes out and it's a huge success and it's critically acclaimed and uh, everyone lives happily ever after. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then in a post credit scene, he picks up the phone and he dials a number and he says, hi. Ryan Johnson, I, I know this. I know this person. She's really good. She's very. She'll motivational, mo- she, She'll yeah. motivate you to <laughs> she, she, like. You'll fix the Last Jedi, and your that petition will be done. It'll be trust me. Trust me. It work for me. It'll work for you. <laughs> I like it. So she's just going around like yeah, fixing all for the fandoms yeah. and stuff. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. Okay. And then she gets a job at DC Comics. Yes. Yes. They also her greatest <laughs> challenge yet. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Okay, I like that. So, did you say there was no title for that? No, mm, pretty much. Uh, what could we have? Maybe. I struggled. I was stuck with the fact that it's named after a character, and so I didn't really want to name it like Jon Snow. That's, sure, yeah, that's it. But like, I don't know. Mm. Misery Two fan service, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Misery Two, the the petitions. Yeah. <laughs> no, the fan service. Class. Fan service. Yeah. Fan, yeah. That's good. Um, cool. No, I like that. I can see that. No, really. Misery Two. Fan backlash. Fan backlash. Okay, yeah. sure. Like it. Okay, great. Uh, so, yeah, very good. I've got a few ideas this week. I've got one that I've kind of fleshed out a little bit, but I also had a few shorter kind of things. So one of them was a very predictable one, which was to do Misery, a Star Wars story. Great. Which is basically, much like your, it's pretty much exactly the same idea that you had. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't spend too much time on it. But it was the idea that, for me, rather than George R. R. Martin, I thought maybe like an obsessive Star Wars fan kidnaps Ryan Johnson. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you rewrite that right away, that... You know, he, he's so angry as many fans were with The Last Jedi mm-hmm. and he's like you you killed my Luke you can't kill Luke <laughs> so he makes him rewrite it in a way that Luke lives and everything. Mm-hmm. but I was thinking it, it turned out to be awful because you know <laughs> sometimes fans just don't get it you know? no I actually I liked The Last Jedi yeah so yeah I just thought it'd be funny like they forced the fans forced to rewrite but then the rewrite was even was much worse than The Last Jedi and then nobody was ever happy so yeah yep. that's all I had there I thought that'd be fun uh, I also had uh, Misery A Mad Women Story which mm-hmm. is this is kind of inspired by, you know in Wreck-It Ralph 2, mm. there's the scene where Vanellope meets all the Disney princesses. Mm-hmm. And it's like easily the best scene in that film. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it'd be funny to have that. This is probably not as much of a film as it is just a sketch, but have all of these crazy ladies from films, like uh, Kathy Bates in Misery, mm-hmm. obviously, Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction. Mm-hmm. Are they all coming together? All coming together. To like form group, some kind of superhero team. Well, like a group therapy session or something. Okay. You know, like, like recovering movie, recovering crazy bitches. Yeah. Yeah, crazy bitch 12 step program or something. Yeah. So, like, who else would there be? There'd be uh, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee in Single White Female, Rebecca De Mornay in Hand the Rocks to Cradle. Mm-hmm. Uh, just all the crazy ladies in films. Mm. Yeah. Maybe even some old ones like Baby Jane, you know. I was just thinking that one, yeah. Baby Jane would be a good yeah. one, yeah. So, you'd have to, yeah, even if they're dead, it doesn't matter, you know. Oh, you could have Olivia Coleman from The Favourite or something. Oh, great, yeah, 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 yeah. So, who's leading this session? I don't know. Who'd be a good, like, group therapist for all these women? Mm needs to be, like, the queen of that. The, que- or the queen of this, like... The queen of being crazy. Well, that probably is going close in Felix. Like, that's the iconic one. Mm. Well, there it is, then. There it is, sure, mm. yeah, okay. So, yeah, I'm just thinking it'd be really funny for them to, like, compare notes on, like, so, did you kidnap a guy and injure him in some way? Yeah, did you have a pregnancy scare? Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> did you get brutally beaten to death at the end? Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just, I just thought it'd be funny to, like, go over mm-hmm. that little sketch. That's all I had for that. There's not much there. Mm. So my proper idea is a prequel. 
Because okay. obviously the film ends pretty much definitively. You know, mm-hmm. she 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 dead. <laughs> I mean, there's no question she is dead. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, there's the bit of the film that we talked about, which is when the James Caan character breaks out of his bedroom while she's out of the house, finds the photo album, and it's full of like newspaper clippings. Mm-hmm. Do you ever do this thing? This is something I love to do. Whenever I'm watching a film at home, that pause has, it. yeah, pause it and read the newspaper clip. Did you do that? I only, I, I, I didn't pause that actually. I just did what I could with the uh, headlines. Mm-hmm. Why? Were there any good stories there? No, yes. Because I love doing that because sometimes it's just like they've not even bothered. It's just like nonsense. Yeah. But this film, they actually made the effort and they wrote like whole stories mm-hmm. and it gave like a whole backstory to her. Mm. Which, so all of this actually comes from those newspaper clippings mm. and they gave me all the bones for what I think would be an interesting prequel. Yeah. So I'm thinking it's like basically Annie Wilkes, The Young Years. So it's not going to be Kathy Bates anymore. It made me think of like, did you ever watch that show Bates Motel? That no, was, uh, you know what it was it was like yeah. a prequel to Psycho it's yeah. like here's how Norman Bates grew up I think it'd be really cool to have that maybe as a TV series probably works better as like a Netflix mm-hmm. series or something mini series or whatever but about the Annie Wilkes character mm-hmm. so it's going to start with her as a child at the age of maybe 11 or so mm-hmm. she's obviously growing up in this quite remote rural town on this I'm going to say that she grew up on the same farm that she lives in now that's, yeah. that's what I'm going to go with. Like, this is her childhood home. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In this very small town. Mm-hmm. She's raised by her parents. Her, her dad is very abusive to her and her mother. Mm-hmm. And her mother is super, super crazy religious. Because mm. like, she's obviously quite religious in this film. Like, that comes up like she, she hates to swear. She, she doesn't like blasphemy. And she, you know, she says, like, oh, God sent you to me so that I would show you the lights. So obviously, like, her religious faith is definitely a part of her craziness in the original film. Yeah. So I thought, let's, so let's have, like, a classic domineering mother who's like super religious like the mother in Carrie or something mm. and the dad can just be an abusive you know alcoholic mm-hmm. you know beats the wife maybe molests her you know, just, you know or, or very dark you know all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff so she grows up in this household obviously very traumatic and it causes her to have a lot of problems even as a young girl and she has a lot of like anger management issues and like yeah her dad probably like beats her up like I said mm. and yeah I'm thinking one day as a little girl maybe her dad is beating the mum particularly brutally and she loses control pushes the dad down the stairs Right. Okay. That was in the, because that was one of the news paper clippings. The mm-hmm. first one was like, local man dies in mysterious circumstances. And it was mm-hmm. like, the father of Annie Wilkes fell down the stairs. So it was obviously supposed to, obviously supposed to imply he'd been pushed. Mm. So yeah, I'm going to just show that where she pushes him down the stairs and he breaks his neck and dies. And then the mother covers it up for her and mm-hmm. helps her to cover up and, you know, makes her swear never to tell anyone what really happened. <laughs> and uh, they just say it was like a horrible accident. He just tripped and fell down the stairs. But obviously, being forced to, you know, that experience just traumatizes her even more. Mm-hmm. So that causes her to go even more crazy. Then we're going to get to the college years. I didn't cast anyone. Who, can you think of anyone who would like play like a young Annie Wilkes, like a, a younger actress, like like in, like an adult actress, like a? Um, it's a tricky one. It is, yeah. Anyway, this is the college years now. So she goes to the local college to study to be a a nurse. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking this could be like the happiest time of her life. How old? 18 to 20. Yeah. Maisie Williams then. Interesting. Yeah, she could do that. I like that. Mm. She, she she can play good crazy. Yeah, she's got the bulgy eyes. Yes, she could. Oh yeah, okay. I'm, I'm yeah. a fan of that. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, Maisie Williams as a young Annie Wilkes mm-hmm. goes, to, <laughs> goes to college to study to be a nurse. And she turns out, it turns out she's very good at it. Okay. Say what you like about it. She's a good nurse. Mm. And you know... She starts to, like, make friends. She starts hanging out with a group of people. And even though she's slightly strange, obviously, because she's, you know, very very insulated and you know, she has problems, there are some people who are genuinely quite nice to her. And she has, like, a best girlfriend at college. Mm-hmm. And there's also a boy. 
and she falls head over heels in love with this boy and she absolutely worships him yeah uh, he unfortunately does not feel the same way mm-hmm. it's, and in fact but he, he's always hanging out with her in her seeing in the context of some kind of sticky end of course he is Timothy, Timothy Chalamet then. okay great oh, so yeah. this is where you're going to work out your dislike of Timothy <laughs> well okay so let's say these two are played by Saoirse Ronan and, Ke- and Timothy Chalamet oh, the best friend is Saoirse no. Ronan no oh, no, no the best friend, the oh, best right, friend no. is Saoirse Ronan Timothy Chalamet and Maisie Williams can play the murderer Annie yes yeah. so basically because so, what I'm thinking is she falls in love with this boy at college mm-hmm. you know he falls in love with the best he friend falls, it's, it's your classic you know unrequited love situation yeah, yeah. She, kill, she kills them both maybe one at a time well, yeah, and says like, "Oh, she just ran out of town." Yeah. Well, one of the other newspaper clippings is that, yeah, her roommate at college basically also fell down the stairs. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of people fell down the stairs in Annie Wilkes' life. So, okay. yeah, I'm thinking that people should be more careful. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I'm thinking that she falls in love with this boy. He falls in love with the best friend, and then she gets very angry because she feels like the best friend has stolen this boy from her, even mm-hmm. though obviously the boy had no interest in her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then she flies into a rage, pushes her best friend down the stairs. She also dies, mm-hmm. and then I get—I hadn't really written that she kills the boy, but sure, she can kill the boy too. He also—it's just like stairs at falling people falling down the stairs, left, right, and center. Yeah, but she gets away with it. Again, it looks like she flees the scene, and it just—it's ruled as like a tragic accident. You know, they just must have tripped and fallen down the stairs mm-hmm. together. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it's both at the same time. Yeah, but I'm thinking like because obviously in the original film she has these like big violent mood swings. So that's it's the idea is that she's like having these fits of rage that are causing her to do things that. Yeah people end up getting hurt mm. and uh, this is one of those occasions and she gets away with it again which obviously makes her even more traumatised you know but she does end up finishing college and excelling at nursing and becomes the head nurse mm-hmm. at the local community hospital she, and she starts working on the maternity ward mm-hmm. around the time of her working on the maternity ward so she's doing very well at her work you know her mother is now dying just of old age or cancer or something nondescript yeah. but she's dying and the mother is like super overbearing and still super religious and stuff and she's having to like nurse her mum you know through these final days basically while also working a full time job as a maternity nurse so she's under a lot of stress mm-hmm. and you know she's already clearly not entirely psychologically sound mm-hmm. so this all all of this stress together like just pushes her to the absolute brink and uh, this is quite dark, so it's not a very funny sequel. But I just thought it'd be an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the mo- at some point the mum dies, maybe the same night. Maybe the mum dies, and she's like obviously very very traumatized. She goes to work, doesn't tell anyone. She goes to work, and she's on the maternity ward. And there's a baby that just won't stop crying, and it's mm-hmm. like it's on a night shift. She's there on her own, and this baby just keeps crying and screaming and crying and screaming, and she's like so stressed out, and she's trying to comfort the baby, but the baby's just not responding. It's just crying and crying and crying. Yeah. And then after a certain point, she just snaps and smothers the baby to death. Wow. Yeah. Very bleak. Yeah. But again, that's in the newspaper clippings that she kills all these babies. So yeah. I'm just trying to flesh that out a little bit. Once maybe, again, maybe in her head, she's just trying to make the baby... Yeah, I feel be, like she's be, not... Be, be quiet. She's not She's not trying to kill the baby. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, like she's just trying to stop the noise from being yeah, there. Yeah, that's what I was she... thinking. Like She puts the hand, a hand or, or something over the baby's mouth and mm. accidentally kills the baby. Yeah. like Because she, she has like a psycho, psychotic break where she just... Has like an almost has an out of body experience, and before she knows it, oh god, there's a dead baby. Yeah, uh, and again, she gets away with it mm-hmm. because it's just she runs away, you know, or whatever. Or she claims she doesn't know anything about what happened, mm-hmm. and they just assume that this baby must have just it's been tragic, caught death, you know, mm-hmm. it happens, mm-hmm. babies die. So she gets away with that too, but then that starts her on a massive spiral of um, yeah, more babies. She starts she kills more babies mm-hmm. in similar circumstances, basically. Yeah, uh, and. Yeah, then she eventually gets caught, you know, because you can only kill so many babies. You know, you, you, at some point, you're going to get caught. There's a limit. There's an upper limit, yeah. You, yeah. 
If you stay below the limit, you're fine. But mm-hmm. everyone's got that limit. So yeah, eventually suspicion begins to fall on her. She's arrested and she's has to stand trial, which I think would be an interesting part of the film. And she gets sent. She gets found guilty, and she's like sentenced to a surprisingly short sentence. <laughs> maybe because of her mental health struggles, I don't know. Maybe she goes to like a, maybe she like pleads insanity or something. Mm-hmm. But she definitely gets time behind bars, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, she goes to prison, and I feel like the film ends. She's in prison. And maybe, she, maybe she gets it that uh, it wasn't murder, it was just she was just being bad at a job because yeah, she was manslaughter. Yeah, manslaughter or criminal negligence or something. Yes, yeah, something yeah. Like that, yeah. yeah, people don't know that she's actually d- d- deliberately killed him. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, point is, she does go to prison for mm-hmm. some time. And we're going to end the film, I think, with her in the prison library. Mm-hmm. And she's like looking for, she's just reading through the books. And she picks up a copy of the very first misery novel. Ah. And then we end with that. And that's obviously setting the wheels in motion yep. for the film. Very nice. So that is uh, Misery the College Years. Great. <laughs> not, not my best title. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's good. I like it. Oh. I think that could work because I thought Bates Motel was really good and I could see a similar. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to like a sequel where it's like, oh, she's survived. But, um, you know, somehow having been like bludgeoned to death. But, like, yeah, I think there could definitely be some kind of mini series or something to do. Yeah, totally. I could, I could, I could see that happening. So maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, okay, right, well, uh, listen submissions then. Yeah, let's get to some listener submissions. Yeah, so I've got the first one here from Daniel Tickner. Okay. Uh, one of our Patreon supporters. Mm-hmm. He said, easy, a screenwriter wants to remake Misery and is kidnapped by a fan of the original who wants him to get it perfect. Oh, that's good. I then replied, this makes me personally a tad scared. Who said? You, you replied. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, yeah, it could happen to us, yeah. <laughs> so Richard Ryder says, she stands over Ryan Johnson and tells him how to write The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. It's clearly a popular choice. I'd be very nervous if I was Ryan Johnson right now. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he's got a good security. I wonder if he's watched this recently. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he relates to it very strongly. Yeah. Um, David Serrano Manila says, someone kidnapped the kidnapper from Misery, so she kidnaps Misery's author again, so he writes a new sequel. The title, Misery 2, Misception. I'm confused. Yeah, me too. Read so, that again slowly. Someone kidnaps the kidnapper from Misery. Which is Misery, which is... Uh, Annie, Kathy Annie Bates. Kathy Bates. Yeah. So she gets kidnapped by someone new. So she kidnaps Mis- Misery's author again, so he writes a new sequel. I'm con- so so does Annie Wilkes kidnap James Kahn mm. to make him write a new sequel so she won't get kidnapped? Is it like all meta or... Maybe, like, everything he writes comes true okay. or something, and that he is Stephen King. So, like, she's been kidnapped, but then she manages to kidnap the author again, mm-hmm. so he then writes a sequel that's maybe, like, help, get me out of this. Okay, well, it's, it's something, it's something. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. interesting. Yeah. If you want to go back... Also, also uh, David Serrano Manila. Well, also, David, David you've forgotten that she died at the end of the first one, yeah. and we can't undo that, because she can't get off the... What was the the phrase you used in that rant? She can't get out of the cockamamie car. She she can't get out of the cockamamie car, David. She can't. (laughs) But if you'd like to write in and clarify that a little bit, we'd we'd love to hear it. And and, yeah, there's something there, definitely. Mm -hmm. John Roke says, It's two hours of her rewriting and editing the film version because it did not meet her massive expectations. And that is the director's fault, not hers. It isn't her fault. If only they had consulted her. Now she has to make the film they should have made. Oh, I like that. I like that idea. It's like meta. Like the film is based on the book, obviously. Mm-hmm. Maybe she did. Maybe she's like, I don't like anything like Kathy Bates. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, okay, now I've got a couple of just films with titles here. So I've got an electric boogaloo, I've got a back in the habit, great, got standard great, there. Great, yeah. I've also got Misery 2 Stockholm Syndrome. Nice. Yeah. I quite like that's that one. That's good, yeah. That's from Caleb McCracken. Mm-hmm. Nishan Garebiyadin. I'm sure you did that perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that, I yeah. think. Um, it says Misery Prequel. Kathy Bates reads a book for two hours. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Daniel Sanchez just. Great effort here. Misery 2, Revengeance. Kathy Bates is back as a cyborg ninja. That's it. Sure, yeah. That, that, that's, um, It'd be an extra seems, twist, wouldn't it? Seems plot. Oh, she was a robot the whole time. It would explain why she took so long to fucking die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Sebastian... Final one here. Sebastian Matthias Weinbach. Great name. Hmm. Names with the three names, they always sound much better. They always seem, like, distinguished. Yeah. I imagine he could have, like, land. Yeah. yeah. Or a country. Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, misery loves company. Mm. Kathy Bates moves to the big city, only to find out that life isn't as easy for a small-town stalker in New York. <laughs> Until she meets a cult leader that's right up her alley. Is she the right girl for him? Or is he too tied up in his work to get tied up by an honest working girl? Oh, okay. Mm. I like that. That's interesting, I could also see Catherine Heigl and Aston, Aston Kutcher in this. That could be a choice, yeah? Mm-hmm. Playing like younger, more like street-savvy versions of those characters? Yeah, I guess. I can, I can imagine that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Is that all you've got here? Yep. Very good. Okay, I have some as well. Uh, so, Kami Ramirez said, Misery 2, more miserable. She kidnaps two authors and breaks all of their legs. <laughs> also, there's a car chase. So, mm-hmm. Classic sequel, just the same but more. Mm-hmm. Phil Catterall. Yeah, for a while I was going to have mine being, it does start off with a car crash, but it's Kathy Bates has actually organised that car crash. Mm. Which, looking back into this film, it's kind of convenient for her that that car crash happened. Yes, and, like, absolutely. She, she had literally nothing to do with it. No, as far as we know. What could she have had to do with it, though? She could have cut his brakes. Like, yeah, but that wasn't the issue. Though. No, Didn't no, it wasn't. No, I think she was control. just. No, I think she was just lucky. She's, she'd also been following him around. Mm. But yeah, I think she just wrong place, wrong time for him. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Phil Catterall said, mm. "Misery and Scratchy." It's just Kathy Bates next to a conveyor belt where endless clones of James Khan slide past, and she smashes their ankles over and over and over. Great, <laughs> great fun. Um, Stephen Jones said, "Misery Two, Les Miserables." Yes, Les Miserables. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a musical version, I guess. <laughs> Uh, this is my favourite, just because it's so stupid. Ryan Klima said, Misery 2, The Wrath of Khan. Nice. James Khan. You know, ah, Khan. yes. yes. <laughs> Sam Postol said, Everyone's a centipede, and that is just the leg-breaking scene repeated a hundred times in a row. God. People really love that leg-breaking scene. Yeah, right? really. And Tice Van Cies said, A comedy sequel is basically Home Alone, where he's trying to hide from Kathy Bates while setting traps all around the house. Okay, yeah. No, that definitely works. Yeah, so I guess that would be Misery 2 Lost in New York or something. Yeah. Mm. Over to Twitter. Bloatbusters, at Bloatbusters, said, Paul, uh, Paul Sheldon, tried to return to writing, but he finds you just can't write the things he used to. He also starts searching for high adrenaline activities to deal with the emotional fallout from misery. He is almost driven to suicide from PTSD, when suddenly he decides to write about his experience and how it changed him. Mm-hmm. The film ends with him going on a book tour of hospitals, leaving three copies in wards with high-risk patients. We see one of those land on a bed marked John Kramer, car crash, self-inflicted. The music from Saw builds and the credits roll. So apparently that's the prequel to Saw. <laughs> okay, yeah. I've not seen Saw, but I guess John Kramer is the Jigsaw character. Maybe. Have yeah. you seen Saw? I don't know who the John Kramer character is. I, I looked it up. It's the, it's the name of Jigsaw. So. Okay, cool. But I've never seen any of those films because they seemed gross. Mm. Uh, but cool. Very good. 
Misery is a stealth prequel to Saw. I like it. Uh, cinema underscore recall, at cinema underscore recall, said, in the sequel, it's a filmed adaptation of the book Paul Sheldon was writing. So the Misery books, but so an adaptation mm-hmm. of the actual Misery books. Oh, yeah. So Emily Blunt or Keira Knightley or Natalie Portman could play Misery Chastain. Let's be honest, it'd be Keira Knightley, wouldn't it? It would 100% be Keira Knightley, yeah. yes. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, one good thing at OGT Pod. I tell you what, Keira Knightley's getting on that list. At she's some on point. your on your shit list. Yeah. She's not quite there yet, but she's no, okay. she's on. She's she doesn't on the do way. that much these days. No, but if she bangs out one more period drama, sure, that's <laughs> it. Fair enough. Well, let's wait for Oscar season and see. Mm. Uh, one good thing at, OT, at OGT Pod said, "My name is Annie Wilkes, and I just love your writing. I'm your number one fan, Mister Torrance." That's uh, the Shining. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Because that, that'd be good actually. Because mm-hmm. he would deserve to get. You know that kind of a fan. Mm-hmm. What was she that invades the, the the hotel from The Shining? Yeah, no, that'd be. That, that'd be I like that. I'm very. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, at Gidget Von Leroux said, maybe Annie Wilkes secretly had a baby that is now in an orphanage, and when it grows up, it vows to write the misery books. Yeah. Or maybe it vows to get revenge on James Khan for killing his or her mother. Yeah. I did have that experience. I can't remember the last time we talked about this, but I, I forget. There was another film that had a similar plot. Wasn't fatal attraction, where it was like there's a scene there's a scene in, in Misery where she talks about how she was she's divorced, mm. and I was like, how did you get married? <laughs> You're crazy. Yeah, right. I mean she could have been making that up. Who knows? But could have married Jack Nicholson. Could be. Yeah, they are the perfect the perfect for each other. Yeah, mm. so that could work. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. The unknown critic at Nonny underscore Mouse. I asked for stuff. I think that means anonymous mm-hmm. at Nonny Mouse. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, screw the sequel. It just needs a reboot. I love Rob Reiner joints. That's the director. He also directed Stand By Me. But I thought the casting was way off. That's controversial. I think the casting's perfect. Yeah. To each their own. Yeah. Uh, at Garrett Payne said, Paul Sheldon keeps having visions of the ghost of Annie Wilkes. She states that they are meant to be together for all eternity and not even death is enough to stop it. Ooh. Interesting. So he, she haunts him from beyond the grave. Mm-hmm. And finally, at Squeaky Heart said, zero sequel pictures. Don't ruin Annie's love for Paul with a sequel. <laughs> I love the idea that that's the takeaway for someone. It's just a, a lovely love story. She really loved him, bless her. She deserved better. So, sure. Those are our listener submissions for Misery. Mm-hmm. If you have any sequel ideas for Misery or any films we've done in the past, please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is available at all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Acast. You name it, we're on it. If we're not on it, let us know. We will get on it. Uh, you can also find us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Beyond the Box Set or mm-hmm. Beyond the Box Set on Twitter. And our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash Beyond the Box Set. And we have exclusive merchandise available at tpublic.com. Again, just search Beyond the Box Set. Mm-hmm. So next week, we're going to be concluding our Stephen King season. Okay. Which I think has gone very well. Mm-hmm. And to do that, we haven't really done a horror movie yet, I don't think. And I'm not sure if this next one is a horror movie or not, because I've not seen it. But... When I started this season, mm. when we started this season, I should say, sorry. Mm-hmm. When we started this season, I did put out on social media some tweets and some Facebook updates asking our listeners what films, what are the, what are the, what are the many Stephen King adaptations they'd like to see us do. Mm-hmm. And we got a lot of you know, the obvious ones. We got a lot of people saying Stand By Me, Shawshank, mm-hmm. Misery, etc. One, but one film was overwhelmingly popular that was mentioned over and over again, which surprised me because I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. And that is a film called Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. I think I've heard of it, but I do I've know heard what it of is. it, but I don't know what it is either. But the fans have spoken mm-hmm. so I thought for next week we'll have like a listener's choice episode mm-hmm. and so for that reason we will next be discussing Maximum Overdrive 
What I yeah. do know about this film is that this is the only film Stephen King has ever directed himself. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. In directing from his own work, so... Also, the only thing he ever directed in his entire career, so... Mm. Let's see what that means when we see it. Mm. Mm. I'm intrigued. Very, so yeah, join us next week, listeners. Yeah, join us next week, listeners, for Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.